everybody, this is Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary Day 181. It's now been five years, 11 months, and two days since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. And I feel so good. And it is such a beautiful day, I decided to zip on up the mountain for this tasty, fresh bonus episode where I say just whatever comes to mind. Though, I do have a little surprise later on in the show, too. But before we get started, I wanted to give a quick thank you to the BCs who still support the show financially by sending virtual cups of coffee and or by shopping at Amazon through the links on our show page at CompulsiveOverEatingDiary.com. You know, it really does help Mark and me to keep the show going, and it also tells us that you really, really care. And another really important way UBCs can show that you care about the show and that you really want it to keep going is to come to CompulsiveOverEatingDiary.com and post some comments on the show notes. Or better yet, call the Bravery Hotline and put your voice to the show. It doesn't have to be like spilling all of your guts. It can be. It can also be supporting other BCs whose story you hear on the show. It can be telling a joke or a riddle for foolish fun. It can be just, hi, Lori, I'm just telling you that I'm listening from wherever you feel comfortable. But it's really been crickets, crickets, crickets. And I still see downloads to the show, but I'm not seeing participation in the show. And as I said, there's two reasons I like to do the show. One, I myself, like today, feel something inside of me that I want to express to you. But the other side of the coin is when you express yourself to me, I love to share that or provide my comments on that or that's kind of how this show was designed in the end and what kept it rolling and kept it alive. So I don't mind hiking up here every now and again and saying something, but if you want to see CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com, the podcast, continue as a regularly scheduled part of our life, you can support us financially, but also, more importantly, with participation. You know, I'm not going to make it. If the verdict is, you know what, Lori, we've all moved on and it's cool with us, then that's the verdict, right? But I'd like to know. Don't put it off. If you really, 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 really care and want this show to continue, please take a moment sometime in the next week to stop by compulsiveovereatingdiary.com front slash D-A-Y-181 and leave a comment to that effect. Or call the Bravery Hotline. I'm going to give that number later on in the show, and it's also on every single page of every one of the show notes. Anyhow, enough of that. Let's go to what I was pondering. What was it that drove me up the mountain today? Well, as I was sitting there eating my breakfast this morning, I was pondering the differences between dieting and your diet. I know we've talked about this before, but this just really smacked me between the face because the particular breakfast that I was eating was something that I might have eaten in the past when I was, quote, dieting, unquote. But it also happens to be a breakfast that I just super enjoy eating. I just like it. So I eat this particular breakfast, whether I think I'm dieting or trying to lose weight or if I'm just eating, right? And 
what really brought this to mind is I was posting in our secret Zen Facebook group, which I talked about last show. And I'll, before I continue, I'll tell you, if you'd like to join our super secret private Zen group on Facebook, where nothing leaves that group at all, then you need to email me that request to lori at compulsiveovereatingdiary.com and be sure to include the email that you use to sign into Facebook because unless we're Facebook friends, that's the only way that I can invite you. And so far we're up to about 21 people that are there and it's, it's being pretty supportive and it's interacting pretty well. So if you want to be part of that, like I said, send me an email, give me your email address that you use for Facebook and I will add you forthwith. That's a funny word. <laughs> oh, enough of these, these commercial messages. Back to the topic. But as part of that group, I was thinking today from some things some people said and what I said in reply, which I will not spill. But I was thinking about all the years it's been since I gave up dieting. It's been about four years now. I'm not exactly sure to the day. But it's been about four years that I gave up, quote, dieting, unquote. By that, I mean deciding to eliminate carbs or very limit my carbs or count my calories or count my points or um, eliminate all animal products for the reason of losing weight. Anything that you do on purpose to try to lose weight by modifying what you eat and also kind of how you exercise you know, our weight loss or fitness plan, I kind of gave that up to tend towards the intuitive eating side about four years ago. And intuitive eating is a premise that all of us are born knowing when we're hungry and knowing when we've had enough to eat. And that our genetic history and our activity and our moods will tell us via internal signals when we're hungry and when we're full and therefore our bodies will transition to whatever our natural weight might be. Now this is very good in theory and I think it's actually true in practice. What made it tricky for me is that I've not been shy in sharing that I've had an eating disorder of compulsive, obsessive, binge eating, secret eating, even exercise bulimia type behaviors from the time I was four years old up until that time about four years ago. So that would make me 56 years old. That's more than 50 years of having my focus be on how big am I? What should I eat? I'm bad if I eat what I want. I'm virtuous if I eat this crap that I probably don't want naturally. Like you know, the breakfast I had today is something I might have eaten on one of those diet plans, but I liked it, so I eat it anyway, okay? How many of you have cooked some recipe for a particular diet plan, and it's like, ugh, I don't like this, but if I eat this, it's going to help me in whatever way. Limit my carb, get me into ketosis, uh, you know, do something for me that's going to help me shrink this body of mine, and get moving on my, my weight loss goal, 
Now it is a little bit different when you're building muscle or you're working towards a physical goal like running a marathon or biking 100 miles. Sometimes then you have to just kind of schedule some fuel because you just do. And when I was in those kind of modes, you know, doing something for a physical endeavor like that, it, it didn't obsess me in the same way as when I was trying to create a better body, a more socially acceptable body. And why did I want this socially acceptable body? I wanted people to accept me, Lori, whoever that is, my soul, my inside, my character, my sense of humor, what I think about things, all wrapped up in the body that I have. And I felt that my roly-poly, unnaturally unbeautiful, lumpy body by our society standards was like a shield keeping people out. Now psychologically, as I've discussed in prior shows, that's kind of a good thing in some ways because I was scared of intimacy. I was scared of having expectations put on me by real relationships because real relationships were a funny thing for me, how I learned about them growing up and, and through my early adulthood and all that kind of stuff. I had some cockeyed ideas about what love felt like and what friendship felt like and what being good enough felt like and the kind of reactions people give you if you are good enough and that kind of thing. And I sort of interpreted any and all rejections, either from myself or from others, as you don't like me because I'm fat. Now, when I was 40, actually a time before that too, but when I was 40 was the big one when I lost 130 pounds with Weight Watchers. And I did that over two years, so I had all of the praise you know, once people noticed that my 300-pound body was, was shrinking and this wasn't just, you know, a fad, that I was doing this over months and then years and I was getting thinner and more fit. And I, that's when I started hiking, actually, was when I was doing Weight Watchers. I wanted to lose some more weight. So I started hiking. Turned out I like hiking, so I still do it even at a heavier weight. But that's beside the point. I was doing what I was doing to get that praise, to get that acceptance. You know, it was almost like being a minor celebrity in a way to lose so much weight over time in front of my coworkers, in front of people in the neighborhood, the people at my grocery store, the bankers, the hairstylists, my dental assistants noticed as I come in for my cleaning that I was much smaller, you know, every six months during that two years. And it was a rush. It was wonderful. Everybody was like, Lori, you look so great you're so focused, we're so proud of you, you know, all of those emotional support things that I've been craving, it feels like my entire life, was centered on my success at creating a physical body that was different than what I had. So part of me just loved this, Loved it, loved it, loved it. Ate it up with a spoon. Yeah, I will eat this disgusting recipe that I don't even want to eat. And I will go out and hike for hours and hours and hours. And I will do push-ups by the dozen. And I will do whatever it takes to keep this uh, good emotional support, this continual flow of support going. Because I was like starved or dehydrated almost of emotional support. I felt inside myself that I was very, very lacking, that in my family I was seen as a problem, not a benefit, 
I felt in school that I was an odd duck and not part of the crowd. And, you know, if I joined the group conversation, like, well, you're kind of butting in, you don't fit. And sometimes this was true and sometimes it wasn't true. But my perception, my overall feeling about myself through most of my life was if I don't put on the correct social mask and the social appearance so that I can mold myself into a socially acceptable package, then people would realize how flawed I was, how awful I was, what a mistake I was how incompetent I was, how jealous I was, how hateful I was, what a bitch I was, you know. Put on this continual smiling, supportive mask, volunteer to do all the things for people. I'll take you, I'll do that. I'd be happy to, even when it was the last thing you wanted to do, because you're hoping for a crumb, a glimmer of thank you. You want someone to call you up and invite you to the movie or you want to be included in the birthday party or whatever it might be. You want to be part of the in crowd, part of the clique. And for me, the whole clique was sort of the normal people. What I saw from my outside vision, everyone else pretty much in the world was normal. Everyone else knew what was going on. Everybody else had it down pat, but not me. And the proof was I was fat. And the only time I wasn't fat was when I put such a straight jacket on my impulses to eat. I had to like make sure I wasn't eating one bite more or one gram more of carb or one more piece of sugar or boy, don't let any of that white bread pass my lips, you know, whatever that might be, whatever my flavor of the month, the super secret thing that was going to change my body and allow me to become acceptable. To me, that is dieting. Eating something in a way that's going to change my body to become other than I am. Now, it's a little different, as I said. If I'm trying to eat in a purposeful way because I'm going to do a fitness goal or because in conjunction with my doctor, we've decided my cholesterol is too high and so it would be better for me to eat more towards the vegetable end or whatever that might be. Okay, that is not to make myself acceptable because the other side of binge eating is dieting. And what happens? Why are we binging if we are so focused on our diet to try to make ourselves into the body of our dreams, to make ourselves, you know, look good in the dress, be good for the reunion, to look good in the community, whatever our reason might be, right? We're trying to change ourselves to be more acceptable. Then why in heck would we be drawn to eating undue amounts of food on a regular basis after that? If you have binge eating disorders, because Usually that dieting is that straitjacket of control. And the part of you that sort of feels like the real you wants to kick your ass. It's like, I've had enough of this. I don't want you telling me what to do anymore. I want those chips. I want that ice cream. I want the entire cake. I want all the pizza. I don't want just one piece of moderate pizza. I want all the pizza. I want two pizzas. Stop it. Stop telling me what to do. 
Okay, I would say that is my characterization for myself of the binge side of my restriction side. And for me, dieting and binging go hand in hand. If I binge a whole bunch, what's the next thing I want to do is, oh my gosh, I put on 10 pounds in like two days. My pants don't fit. I need to you know, get right back to my diet and take this off immediately. That is not a balanced way for me to live. Now, some people can do that with balance. Some people see modifying their eating, you know, oh no, I put on 10 pounds over the last couple of years and I want to get back to my quote unquote fighting weight, you know, so I'm going to cut back and I'm going to exercise a little more and, you know, they're very balanced with it. It doesn't make them feel like a huge failure if they accidentally have a piece of cake or something at a party. They just go, oh, I had a piece of cake. I better, you know, cut back a little for the next couple of days, you know, that kind of thing. But for me, having my whole life focus on this, am I acceptable? Is my body okay? How can I convince people? How can I fool people that I am really one of them? Having that inside of me, I had just like the swirling compulsive mind of, of doo-doo. It <laughs> just, you know, crazy. So the relief when I gave that up about four years ago and said, okay, I'm not going on the scale, I'm not going to diet, and I'm not going to forbid any food. I did a whole show just about potato chips. You know, I had nothing but potato chips. And I have to tell you, brave companions, I had potato chips, potato chips, potato chips, potato chips for about 18 months. It took me about a year and a half of eating so many potato chips that I almost don't want another potato chip. And it wasn't because I was trying to make myself feel that way. It took me 18 months for that part of me to believe that I didn't really mean to restrict myself from having potato chips in future whenever I might want potato chips. And the minute that happened, I mean, gosh, it took forever. But I mean, that's 50 years of restriction. <laughs> but like I could have potato chips now in my cupboard and not eat them at all. And we've had potato chips actually go bad because I just didn't happen to want them or Mark didn't happen to want them. Mark is very much somebody who can buy things and put them in the cupboard and wait for months until he's hungry for that thing. And what makes him happy is having all of these things available. Well, I didn't used to be that way. I was very much, oh, it's in the cupboard. That's on my mind. We just bought chips. All I could think about, go for a walk. There's chips in the cupboard. Take a bath, chips in the cupboard. Is it time for lunch? Maybe I could have just a few chips in that cupboard. Those chips would be there in my mind through all my life, through all my activities. If those chips were in the cupboard, I wanted them in my gullet. <laughs> I wanted the relief, the stress release of chewing them and the good feeling of, ah, I finally eat something I like. I wanted that. So it was a really weird experience to have all of these things in my cupboard all the time and having that feeling and telling myself it's okay to eat them. Of course I put on some weight. <laughs> okay, what, what my compulsive mind thinks is okay to eat versus someone who's really intuitive and in tune with their body thinks is okay to eat is different. It's really different. But at, at the time my choices kind of are okay, do I go back on the diet path or do I stick with this and see if I'm ever, ever, ever going to adjust? Because I'm really sick of weighing this much. 
But on the road to that, I did, as I've talked about all these four years, despite my size, build a life for myself that was completely enjoyable, met friends who knew me from the get-go that I was fat. I mean, I am. I weigh over 200 pounds right now, <laughs> and I'm 60 years old. I'm not thin. But they didn't say like, oh, get out of here. We're not going to be friends with you because look at what you weigh. No. Mm -mm. The minute I kind of gave up the focus on that, the minute I let myself kind of forget about that and just meet people as I am and, you know, hey, how's it going? Go to the party, invite people to the party, go to the movie, invite people to the movie, kind of get the handle on the social world without worrying about what I'm going to eat or not eat. And through all this experience, I got to hear plenty from all of them what they were eating or not eating because almost everybody in our culture is focused in some way on their body and what they're eating or not eating. Even the ones who you think look perfect and have it all together, almost everybody is focused on what they're eating, not eating their body. And, you know, did I put on five pounds? Did I lose five pounds? It's not to drive me crazy. But I just take a breath and, you know, smile and say, you know, good. I hope, you know, whatever you want to do, I'm cool with it. And that's kind of him with you guys too. Like, you know, for some of you, going on a diet plan is the best thing since sliced bread. You feel great. You maintain it long term. It's just what you need and you feel wonderful. Then do that. You know, I'm not going to tell anybody what to do because every single one of us likes different foods, have different triggers, have different body needs, have different health needs have different time available to us. Since I'm retired, I have the wonderful luxury of being able to cook. And cooking what I like to eat really, really helps me because I enjoy my own cooking better than most of the things that you might find out in the world that aren't necessarily as healthful for you. I cook some pretty delicious, healthful, nutritious, as well as slightly sinful things. So that I realize is a blessing that I have these days. And it's helpful. So, Lori, we get it. We get it. You had, you felt like crap. You went on diet. You gave up diet. You didn't lose weight. It was sad. <laughs> Where are we going with this? Well, the penny finally dropped after last episode. Because last episode, I said to you guys, maybe I'll get thin, maybe I won't. And I'm cool with that. And that was the first time that I said that, that it was 100% true inside my gut and out. Last show, I come down the mountain, I felt great. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. You know, might be nice if I was a little thinner, but I'm cool with it. I just don't want to go back into my obsession. And I give thanks that... I'm really not in my obsession very much anymore. And if the price I pay or the result of that is this is how I look like, well, then that's what it is. And the second I got down the hill, I had this epiphany. I was like, why not try to eat according to how you feel really in your body afterwards? Like, Eat something and then see how you feel. Don't wait till you think you're hungry or not hungry or whatever. Just 
Eat what you think sounds good to you for breakfast. Eat what you think sounds good for you for lunch. Eat what you think sounds good to you for dinner. And then record what you ate and see how you feel. And I did that for a few days. And I noticed that my plate looked very moderate. You know, kind of, I said, vegetables, fruits, some moderate things. I did some cooking and, you know, I wasn't trying to diet. I just, okay, what do I feel like eating today? And I would eat that. And then I would write down what I ate and how I felt. And then after I did that for about a week, I entered all of this into one of my calorie counting programs just to see, okay, for me, Lori, what is it I like to eat and how many calories is that in the day? Because I was feeling pretty darn good. I was feeling a lot of energy and sleeping well and feeling positive and stuff. And I found a theme about how many calories that I eat. And I looked at my nutritional breakdowns and they were pretty close day to day. And I felt fantastic. And I still feel fantastic. Now, I wasn't trying to hit this goal. I was recording what I discovered. Isn't that weird? But now I kind of know. In my usual activities, in my usual life experience, if I eat around this much, this feels really good. And just for jollies, I got on the scale. And for the first time in years and years and years, I was actually down. I'm not going to tell you how much. <laughs> I'm not going like, to report it all the time. But I could tell. My body felt good. My pants felt good. I felt good. I feel good. So I'm more hopeful that if I pay attention to how I feel, I will be able to learn how to eat in a way that still keeps my obsessions at bay and is more intuitive and yet gives me the chance to maybe, maybe drop down a little bit since it would help my joints, <laughs> really, truly. I would like my joints to not carry so much as they're having to carry. But that was just such a revelation to me. And I come up here to tell you not that, oh, you guys, I've got the secret to all of diet success forever, because I tell you, everybody is so individual that what works for me may not. It may send you into a tailspin. But if you are sincere in searching for what does work for you, I believe in my heart, you will find that path. And your life will feel enhanced by what you choose to do. You will have a regular diet that isn't dieting. It's just how you eat, how you deal with food, and, and you'll just have a life. So don't give up. Try things. See how you feel. Your heart doesn't lie to you. Find out how does this make you feel. The surprise I mentioned at the top of the show is that I'm going to take a crack at making a small meditation for you. I mean, really small. And what I'm going to record to some nice Zen music are some affirmations that I use every day. And so let me know what you think. If you'd like some more meditations in the future, I'd be happy to do it. So bonus points if you call the Bravery Hotline at 
206-350-6445. Again, 206-350-6445 to tell me your thoughts. I haven't had a call in a while and I really miss it. <laughs> but like I said, this is an experiment for me. So I'm willing to record some meditative thoughts for you and some affirmations for you, but you need to communicate with me if that is something that you would like me to do. So now, to find out, let's get ready to enter your very own Zen space. This will just be a short and simple meditation based on the concept of I am. You feed into your mind and subconscious what you wish to be as if you already were. For example, I am happy. First, we want to relax a little bit. So if you can, sit comfortably or lay down, close your eyes, and we're going to take two cleansing breaths. And we do this by breathing in through our nose to the count of five and then releasing with a sigh. Ready? Breathe in. One, two, three, four, five. Now release your breath out your mouth in a small sigh, like this. <sighs> Again, breathe in. One, two, three, four, five. Release through your mouth with a sigh. <sighs> now, let your breath return to normal. Don't try to change it. Just pay attention to it rises and falls. Just get your attention in this moment right now. Now I'm going to go through some I am's that I use. Ready? I'll say one, then you say it to yourself or think it to yourself. Let's begin. I am worthy. I am wonderfully made. I am love. I am loved. I am happy. I am strong. I am content. I am worthy. Now, if you take moments of stress or when you just need a break in the day to take a couple of cleansing breaths like we did at the beginning and then just tell yourself some positive I am's. If you get in the habit of this, it really does help your attitude. If you like that little affirmation break, I'll put a link to the file, just the affirmation file, so you can download it yourself on day 181 show notes. That is CompulsiveOverEatingDiary.com slash DAY181. And remember, if you would like me to make some more affirmations or guided meditations for this show, you need to comment, call, or otherwise let me know. Now, after all of that zen, today's dance moment is a little throwback to the 90s dance scene called Happy. It's a great song to sway and shake out cobwebs, but really listen to the lyric, and I think you'll get a real mental boost as well. Until next time, BCs, take care and sway that booty because you'll feel better. And I really, 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 really care. Oh.
Fill our hearts to fill.